miracles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest of them dared rest, dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out of the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of, P of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities uh, to Jerusalem, bringing uh, sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So as we're moving forward in our study, we see here that the apostles, after all that had happened, the apostles were being used by the Lord to perform signs and wonders. And uh, they were all uh, together there. And uh, what was happening is God was using miracles to bring attention to the gospel, that it would bring people in. And as those miracles were, ha were happening, more people were coming. We already discussed last week, you know, that that when we get into Acts chapter 12, it says that there were six, uh, 600,000 people there. That's a lot of people, men. And then you talk about their, their wives and their children, that the church grew to 2 million people, somewhere right around there in estimation. That's a lot of people. God doing a lot through no church growth plan. Their church growth plan was pray and read the Bible. That was it. There wasn't a, a great, um, and we'll get into that later. I'm way ahead of myself now. But, but really what we see here is that people are watching the power of God. Uh, and, and what it says here is that in verse 13 it says that uh, none of the rest of them joined. So uh, that the power of God was intimidating to some. And Ananias and Sapphira had just lost their lives. And those are sobering examples of the sincere worship that is required in our lives. And uh, you know, might have kept away some that would have uh, would have joined the church uh, and uh, become Christians, um, but they might have had insincerity in their hearts. So they decided, you know what, I'm just going to stand stand back, or probably had an effect on someone that wanted to approach a relationship with Christ casually. The the scripture warns us that we we can't casually approach God. You know, He's the one who breathed the breath into our lungs. He is our creator. We can't have a casual approach to a relationship with him. It needs to be the chief um, attribute of our lives and, and, that, and that God needs to be the chief love of our lives. And as, that, as he is, you remember when Jesus said all the law can be summed up in these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. If you consider what Jesus was summing up, you look at, uh, you know, all of the, the the Old Testament law that everything could be wrapped up in a proper love for God and love for one another. That's quite an amazing way to wrap up the whole Old Testament, the whole law. Right. Just love God and love other people. Then, you know, when you when you see uh, what's what's happening uh you know, in here is God was dealing with uh, the fact that some were coming with insincere hearts, and that's not how we're supposed to approach the Lord. He's supposed to be our chief love. And uh, so the believers were being added to the Lord daily, multitudes of both men and women. That's important, men and women. It's the first time that, uh, as we see in here, that, that women 
plural are being mentioned here. And, and when we see how God used women uh, in the scriptures and the high esteem that he placed uh, uh, for that he that he lift them in high esteem. How many times did uh, when the guys were scared were the women faithful to the Lord to serve him? You know, all the all the disciples were all locked away right in, in an upper room. And who went to the tomb first? It was the ladies. You know, consider that. There, there are many that will say that, that women have uh, nothing to offer or that the scripture degrades women, and that is not the case. It is not the case at all. God, does, you know, God doesn't love men more than he does women. We have different roles, that's clear, but he doesn't love men more than he loves women or vice versa. You know, he's made us and he loves us. And, and, and you know, when you consider our gender, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, unfortunately, there are some that will uh, twist the scripture to say uh, that women are, are not valuable. Um, I, I haven't met many people or I don't I can't think of anybody that does that. But there are some weird religious sects that will say that and, and will dominate uh, dominate. Uh, because of their physical strength and uh, their intimidation factors. And, and unfortunately, uh, you know, women have been misused uh, often, uh, you know, over history. So what we see here is multitudes, both men and women, and the sick are being brought into the streets, laid on beds and couches. They were hoping to catch the, the, the shadow of Peter. Now, the shadow of Peter wasn't anything magical. What they were doing is they were expressing faith in what God was doing. And what they're saying is if, if, if God is using Peter to heal, then we're going to go out. We're going to do everything we can uh, to, to be out there and uh, to, to uh, be uh, around and, and see what's going to happen. So as a shadow would pass. Now, John 14, 12, Jesus told the disciples, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Peter heard that firsthand from Jesus. So this wasn't a shock to him. Peter knew that he had received the Holy Spirit, and he received the commission from Christ to, to preach the gospel. And Peter had already been used, Peter and John, as they're walking into the temple, right, to heal the lame man, lame from his mother's womb. They understood that God had given them the power and the word of God to minister. God does the same in us. He may not use us to, to physically heal other people. This was something that we can look at in the scriptures and know that this was done and established, that our faith would be established in the Lord. You know, we're not all called to walk around healing everybody. You, in what I've, uh, I've witnessed in my time of 43, began walking with the Lord as a, uh, late in my teens, and um, what I've noticed over the years is there are many that claim to be healing ministries. Hey, we're going to roll in. We've got our trailer behind us, and we are here to heal you. Doesn't reflect anything that the scriptures show. It's not that we're not supposed to drive around as a healing ministry or the great revival ministry. We're going to set up a tent, and we are going to plan a great revival. God just works. It's, and it's usually when it's least expected. You know, that everybody's just kind of hanging around one day and all of a sudden this guy gets healed in the temple and, P and Peter and John are preaching boldly, you know, and they're standing there proclaiming the name of Christ. 3,000 people got saved. There was no uh, band coming behind them or nothing bringing attention to them. It was God by his power working and his word ministering to hearts and drawing people to Christ. 
You remember, was Peter was very careful to tell uh, the lame man and those around that uh, how that man was healed, and it was in the power of Jesus Christ. Told the religious leaders the same. It's important for us to never take credit for what God is doing. Those are uh, important things for us that as we see, I mean, think about think about this ministry, right? These guys are just walking around healing people as they watch Jesus do, right? And then they've got people in desperation bringing people out, hoping that Peter's shadow is going to pass by them. You know, that's that's quite a powerful ministry. And we could easily get uh, derailed in our pride and say, I'm pretty special, aren't I? You know, hey, we're going to get some T-shirts made up. You know, those types of things. These guys knew where the power came from and where the praise was supposed to be directed. And they were uh, very uh, sure to make, uh, they were very uh, yeah sure to uh, make sure that everybody understood. So uh, this reminds me of a, a group of friends that in their faith and desperation in Mark chapter 2 would take their friend to be healed. You might remember the story. They carried him. They couldn't get to Jesus because the house that he was teaching in was too crowded. So they rip apart the person's roof, right? They rip everything open and they lower this guy down so he would be healed. And Jesus looks at him and says, son, your, your, your sins are forgiven. you." And it took everybody advice, by like, don't you, he's here to be healed. And then Jesus used as an example saying, hey, now I've got your attention. And to show you that I have the power uh, to forgive sins, you know, take up your bed and walk. And the guy is healed. And when you consider Jesus's ministry and how he performed miracles, he had three purposes in, in uh, his miracles. One was to show compassion and meet human need. The next would be to present his credentials as the son of God. The third would be to convey spiritual truth. You know, it's, it's uh, explained in, you know, we just uh, talked about that one example. But also, Jesus feeding the 5,000, he met their needs, and he uh, revealed himself as the Son of God. Then he preached about the bread of life. And so he got everybody's attention. He used the miracle to meet the need. Once everybody was attentive, he told them who he was, and then he would teach them a spiritual truth. I love here that it says that there's a difference uh, between uh, in verse 15 so that they were sick and brought into the streets and, and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing might fall on some of them. And also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem being bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. There's a difference here. There's a line drawn between people being sick and those being tormented by spirits there is a false doctrine that's very active in this country and in spreading around the world that if you're sick you have disobedience and, and sin in your life and your god is allowing you to be tortured by satan and demons that is so wicked guys so wicked and so unbiblical guys can you imagine just getting the worst news you can get in your life right some of us have dealt with that some of us even recently and, and, and the think, to think of what you have to go through and then to have the, the unbiblical burden that this is because of sin in my life. This is because of something I'm doing. I must be doing something wrong. Talk about, like, are we not called to be encouragers, <laughs> right? You know, I have the gift of discouragement, right? It's not a spiritual gift, right? To do that is so wrong and so burdensome. 
Guys, I say this and I'm, uh, it, it bothers me to my core because I know and love so many people that are going through so much or have gone through so much. And, and, and the belief system, the, the, the heresy that's being taught to them is that it's because they're not right with God. It's awful. This says here there's a difference between those who are sick and those who are tormented by unclean spirit. Look at verse 16. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who are tormented by unclean spirits. Sick people? And those who are tormented by unclean spirits. Two separate things. Those who are sick and those who are tormented. Not all sick people are tormented by spirits. Think of epilepsy. A lot of, uh, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, they've got a demon if they're having seizures. It's not the case at all. No, there's epilepsy and there's demon uh, oppression. You know, Consider Mark chapter 4 verse 24. Speaking of Jesus, then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them, separated. Those who were demon-possessed, those who were epileptics, those who were paralytics. There's a difference. I love that. So anytime anybody ever says that to you, keep your don't lose your cool on them, but say that's not biblical and bring them bring them here. And if they're not willing to listen, say, well, you're not listening to the scripture. the The scripture is the authority in our lives, guys. Just because I'm up here, if I say something that's not scriptural, then go and follow the scripture. You know, if you consider, we're going to get where uh, there's the Berean church, and they sought the scriptures for themselves to make sure what was said lines up with the word of God. Do that. Be students of the scripture. Dive uh, into our relationship with the Lord and know the scriptures ourselves. You know, Otherwise, we can be deceived, right? The scriptures warn us, don't be deceived. Why? How many times does it say that? Because we can be deceived. You know, in, in our lives, we may be dealing with different things. And, and, and what, I, what I like to see here is, is different uh, physical ailments. And that there were, Jesus used different ways to heal people. He didn't use the same way. Sometimes there was clay in someone's eyes. Or, or they would, people would be uh, healed by his touch and his word. Or fingers in their ears. You know, consider the way he did things. If, if you haven't thought about it, God doesn't like to be put into a box, right? You know, and, and that's impossible to do. You know, the, uh, God used many different ways. And what he's doing is he's using a sinful man like Peter that has been redeemed and he's been commissioned by the Lord to preach the gospel. And he's been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And now he's being used to, to heal people so much so that people are just like, I got to get close to him. And what is his, but he had the right heart to do it because Jesus Christ was the one getting the glory. It says that all were healed, all were, were made whole. You know, Jesus is the one to turn to uh, for healing and restoration. You know, this speaks volumes for those that are hoping for God's power to change the loved one's lives or to change our lives. That uh, that's a, it's an encounter with Christ. You know, if you're broken hearted over a prodigal in your life, 
keep praying for them. I just left a pastor's conference last month, and Pastor Joe Foch had a – we had, what, 1,800 people there, Tom? Yeah, it was, it was, it was all uh, senior pastors, pastors, people serving in churches – all there. And he says, anybody who's been a prodigal, that's somebody that we might have prayed for here. Guys, the stage was packed with people. And it wasn't to get the attention for them. And 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 Joe asked them to come up and just share a word of encouragement to encourage people. And it got the when so many people came up, Joe just had to say, I need you to come up and just look at people and say, keep praying. How many people came up and they they would just say, keep praying? It was very, wasn't it powerful? It was very powerful to sit there and to watch person after person after person. Those prodigals, the ones that knew that it was wrong to turn away from God and that they had so many people in their lives praying for them. Not only did God save them, but now they're being used in ministry. You want hope, go to Christ. The battle's won and prayer on our knees. You know, share God uh, as as God leads us. We're not to browbeat, but lovingly and patiently share. I know there are times of frustration. I don't know how many times, if for how many years, or how many conversations I've had with people, and they will not turn. You know, if we get to a point where we're uh, impatient with them, we can cut off that whole relationship, right? Remember Peter in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, <laughs> chopping the guy's ears off, ear off. We can easily do that by the way we act. You know, encourage us to continue to pray. For those that are weary and heavy laden by the choices and results that have been made, you know, consider Jesus' words in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, he's not talking about a labor of heavy laden physically. He's talking about the the matters of the soul. He's talking about a greater weariness and a heavier burden. Then, guys, we've all worked and we've all been sore, right? We've all been to a point where, hey, my job or my physical workout got me to this. And, yeah, I'm, I'm weary. I'm hurting. You know, this is talking about something so much more important. You know, when you consider the physical burdens, you know, such as we, we read here in Acts chapter 5, you know, those can lead to a weariness of soul. A sin can lead to a weariness of soul and always will. Sin never just kind of hangs out there and just flies under the radar. It's always destructive to us in our relationship with the Lord and others and uh, just destroying our lives. So this was a period of God doing mighty things to draw many in, and then they would hear the word of God and be saved. Verse 17, then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is uh, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, uh, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. So, of course, an effective ministry is bringing a crowd in Jesus' name, and here comes the opposition. Be prepared for that. If God is using you to minister maybe to one person at work or at school or your neighbor or whatever, be prepared for opposition. 
and understand that that opposition often isn't that person. It's our enemy that is affecting that person. The one that doesn't want them to come to Christ. He doesn't want them to be saved. We need to be aware that there are things to be prepared for in ministry. You know, guys, there are times when, you know, as uh, I'm standing here, uh, there are, uh, it's usually at the most important time of a message that uh, we live in an old warehouse and all the people that are, are in the other uh, offices here often don't have a bathroom. So you're here, boom, 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 right above us, right? This is a warehouse. And then you'll hear the, the, the toilet flushing and the water going through, right? It's a distraction, right? You know, welcome to church in a warehouse. God has blessed us. This is not a complaint. What I'm saying is that often happens during an important time that we're talking. You know, it, 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 I don't want to over-spiritualize it. Sometimes it's just a dude that needs to go to the bathroom or some lady needs to use a restroom. Get, don't don't over-spiritualize it. But what I'm saying is there might be a kid that starts screaming or a phone might ring or an alarm goes off and everybody's attention gets drawn away. Be prepared for distraction and opposition when we are being used by the Lord. Now, these men are filled with indignation. So they're jealous and they are filled with wrath and anger. Uh, and they've had it with the apostles and they've already uh, put them in prison once. And now they have them put in prison again. And uh, the, the plan is to leave them there for the night and figure out what to do with them. And what they don't realize is that God had other plans, right? And, uh, you know, he had an angel open the prison doors and bring them out. And the angel has a message for them. And, uh, you know, his message is go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. It wasn't like, hey, here's your get out of jail free card. You guys can go about your business. The angel said, I'm setting you free because God told me. He didn't say it this way. But the implication was you're being set free so that God continue wants to continue to use you to preach the gospel boldly. So when you consider angels, they're spiritual beings that have intelligence, emotion, and wills. Now, if you consider their duties, their uh, biblical duties, as we're looking and you, you do a study, you're going to come to a, a, a conclusion that uh, they're here to help believers and to carry messages. Hebrews 1, chapter 14, speaking of angels, says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? That's their job, to minister to believers. Angels always point to God. You know, uh, when you uh, consider they're not going to look like, uh, they may, but uh, they're not, you know, they can, uh, this, where the scripture says that we may entertain angels unknowingly. That's something powerful, you know, when we live our lives, encouraging us to live life, life in integrity, not just be the Christian while we're in these walls, right? But live out our faith uh, in a, in a uh, sincere manner, right? But if you're looking for the fat angel with the wings and the, the little arrow, that's not what an angel looks like, right? You know, and if, you know, look at touched by an angel where they might be glowing or whatever. Move all that aside. When angels were seen in the scriptures, men were like, boom, they were afraid. You know, they, they were, they were in, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of imposing. Yeah, they were imposing figures. But they will not accept worship. You know, they, angels are there to minister and there uh, to uh, give messages. That's what they're, they're called to do. That's what their mission is. 
So when you're considering what an angel is, we don't die and become an angel. We don't. There are angels and then there are humans. We are spiritual beings also and our spirit, when we die, our soul goes to heaven, right? If you know Jesus because of his, his uh, sacrifice uh, of his life on the cross, we go to heaven. But we don't become angels. We don't morph into something differently. You know, we're going to be given new bodies in heaven and any of us that have dealt with physical ailments and I'm 43 my body doesn't feel like it did back in high school when I was doing football and wrestling. And, you know, I, I got, you know, I, I was I was blessed to, to do wrestling a little bit even after high school and everything. And man, does my body feel it. <laughs> you know, my shoulder. Oh, hey, I'm gonna grab some weights and try to work out like, oh, <laughs> I'm 43. This isn't moving the way it should. Or why is that popping or grinding? Right. Just be encouraged that we have a new body waiting for us. Up there, right? Amen, right? We can we can say, right? You know, so the message from the angel says, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. He's, the, the angel is speaking of the, the life in Christ. You know, Christ told them that they would receive the spirit to be witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all, uh, all around the world, right? So now the angel's coming, delivering them from prison and telling them, Keep going. Just because you were in prison doesn't mean now you stop. There's the encouragement for them. They had the boldness of the Holy Spirit, but it can be discouraging. We see in times in the scripture that, that the apostles, as they're writing, that there were times of discouragement. You know, these guys, as they're, they're let out, they're going, okay, angel came, delivered us, and he had a message for us. And that message was for us to go back and keep preaching the gospel. Verse 21, and when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. <laughs> it's awesome. But the high priest and those uh, with him uh, came and called the council together and, uh, with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we have found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. You know, so these guys, they heard the message from the Lord. The angel delivered them, and the very simple, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the, all the words of this life. So what do they do? They get let out, and they go right to the temple early in the morning and start teaching. There's a, a, a massive lesson for us there. You know, when God speaks, we need to listen and obey. That's it. There was no, well, we just got thrown in prison. What do we do then? They knew. They, they knew better than to question. And so they respond immediately. They went early in the morning and taught. They took their jobs very seriously. They took the gospel very seriously. And they went early in the morning. And uh, in direct opposition to the religious authorities, but they already had dealt with them in Acts chapter 4, right? Remember in 4 verse 19, Peter and John, it says, But Peter and John answered them. They were being told to stop preaching in the name of Christ. Verse 19 says, But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. The apostles had no choice is what they're saying. Like you can say anything you want. doesn't matter. 
And you guys can deal with this however you need to. We uh, are, are going to obey God. And they were commissioned by Jesus Christ himself to preach the word. They, they couldn't be shut down. The high priest and the council weren't aware that they had already been you know, teaching the, of, of Christ in the temple when they showed up. So they had these guys locked in prison. They're thinking they're there, and they're all getting together, getting their morning coffee. Hey, how you doing? You know, having the morning discussions and everything. Like, right, we're going to go into this meeting, right? That's a big day for them. They go in, and they're expecting to have, uh, you know, Peter, John, and, and the whole group brought in between, in front of them. And, you know, they're all settled, and they, uh, they have no idea what God had done. Now, this doesn't come as a shock to me as I was reading this, and, and it reminded me of their hearts. You know, when, when Jesus, quoting uh, Isaiah 2, verse 13, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, they honored him with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. They didn't understand. They weren't walking with the Lord. They weren't expecting the, the, this angel to come and do this thing. And, and they were too focused on what's inside their control so that they would be blind to what God is doing is not a surprise because their hearts were far from God. They would honor him by the way they were dressed and because of their title, they they assumed that everybody was, was going to fall in line because of uh, you know who they were and how they were dressed and how they were respected in the community. But... Their hearts were far from the Lord. They didn't understand that God was at work here. So I like this response. It says, indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. What they're saying is like, we did our job, right? If you're questioning whether we did our job, look, they, you know, we went, everything shut down securely. We had guards posted. Everybody was doing their job and uh, they're scrambling. And you imagine the looks on everybody's faces. Everybody's checking their key rings, right? Like, how did they get out? Did you lose your key? Did they, did they open it up? What, like, what, what happened here? What's going on here? And uh, they're, they're all, no doubt, freaking out. Somebody's probably being told, oh, you're fired. Man, I don't know. But that's just my, my speculation. Uh, it's just uh, my, my look on it, what my mind does when I look at something like that. Because if there's one thing you guys ever noticed. If there's like you're part of a team and, and there's a, a failing point at one point, there's always somebody that's pointing to somebody else. Like it was them, whether it was them or not. Right. I experienced that when I was over in Italy and uh, we uh, um, Jen had already been there for a little bit. And then I transferred over there uh, and was serving um, uh, in, uh, at a what's called the 16th Air Force. And uh, I was like the new guy in the shop and I was a new airman. And uh, somebody forgot to do their job, who was, uh, who was a, a master sergeant. When you hear that, that's somebody who's, who's high rank in the enlisted, uh, high in the enlisted ranks. He didn't do something. And it was, it was something that you have to be specially qualified for. You have to go to a class to do it, and you have to receive this, the proper security clearance to do it. I didn't have either. So I was totally unqualified to do it. And I heard him over the phone when, when my captain calls, hey, John, how's things, how are things going? You know, they're off and uh, doing a, some sort of exercise or whatever. And I'm kind of holding down the fort as the new guy, uh, answering phones and doing those things. And, and they're like, oh, hey, Master Sergeant so-and-so is asking if you did this. And I'm like, what is it? <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't want to get into, you know, what exactly it was. But and I'm like, I, I don't even know what that is. Thankfully, my captain knew. You know, but I literally, as a new airman, was getting literally thrown under the bus 
by a senior leader who's supposed to train me and supposed to lead me and be one that would step in and say, hey, I, I got it. You know, I'm going to take care of him. Unfortunately, when that failed, he wants to point to me like this guy didn't do his job. I'm like, I don't even know what it is. Right. Those things happen. So when when they went to the prison, no doubt there was some like, you know, I don't know what happened. And when, when this guy isn't looking, everybody's like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's just my thing on it. Let's get back to the scripture. Verse 24. Now, when the high priest and the captains of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people Love it. Uh, then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. I mean, this was, uh, I mean, they couldn't do much, right? They're all dumbfounded, like, okay, what's happening here? You know, these are trustworthy people that, that you know, whether they did their job or not, it's, it seems like everybody, you know, nobody's um, you know, shirking their duties or anything. And they're saying, well, you know, what's this outcome going to be? So they're trying to figure these things out, and, and uh, then someone comes and tells them that there they are. If you're looking for them, uh, we know they're not in prison. They're out doing exactly as we know from what we're reading. They're out doing exactly as God told them through the angel to do, go and preach in the temple. And they're standing in the, the temple teaching the people. So, you know, when uh, based on past experience, they should have known where they would be. They've already told them, like, hey, you can tell us what you want, but we're going to follow God. And uh, so they, I, I think that they should have known. I, I imagine some of them did. So the captains and the officers brought them in without violence because they feared the multitude of people and they were afraid of losing their lives in a very violent way by stoning. That's uh, not a way uh, that any of us would want to die. You know, we wouldn't want to be hit with stones and, and then have stones dropped on us. And it's, it's pretty gross and, and brutal. So they went through, they didn't come in with violence. They just came in, Peter and John going, oh, yeah, they're here again. We're going back in front of uh, these guys here. So they, they went uh, and uh, they were, they were taken away. Now verse 27 says, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Then God, uh, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. I mean, guys, <laughs> they were verbally cutting these guys in half right here. Verse 31, him God has exalted to the right hand uh, <clears throat> to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. So these guys have them brought in before the council. You know, they didn't even address the fact, like, how did you get out of prison, right? <laughs> because I, I, I suspect that they were saying, okay, that was maybe that was supernatural too. So the first thing they have to say is, didn't we strictly, did we not strictly communicate, uh, command you not to teach in the name, in this name? You know, didn't we tell you to shut up? 
And, and you know, Acts 4.18 says, So they called them and commanded them not to teach, uh, to, not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. You can't teach and you can't even speak his name. They were commanded that back in Acts chapter 4. But look what they say. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Perfect. Mission accomplished, right? I wonder if there was a smile on their faces like, yes. You know? <clears throat> You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Uh, and as they were commanded to, right? Jesus said in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe the, all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. They were commanded by Christ to preach the gospel. If they don't do so, they're being disobedient to God. So the apostles are saying, look, you don't understand. Jesus Christ commanded us to do this. We have to obey God rather than men. Remember in, ver in chapter 4, we, we just read those verses where they're like, well, you guys can decide whether or not that's right or not. Peter's just like, hey, guys, if you didn't figure it out, we're going to obey God. We must obey God. If you have different versions, some say we ought to obey God. Uh, you know, here in the in, in, uh, United States, sometimes our words lose their meaning. But the, the emphasis is we must obey God. And what they say here is you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Now, this might sound familiar. They had already declared that his blood was upon them. Matthew chapter 27, verses 24 through 26, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all against the multitudes that were demanding Christ be crucified, is what they're saying here. But rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be upon us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. They actually asked for the blood of Christ to be on their hands and on their children's hands. That's a dumb thing to say, <laughs> right? You guys, you guys ever heard, like, as kids, or hopefully we're not doing it as, as adults or whatever, I swear on somebody's grave, I swear on this person's life, well, what are you doing, <laughs> right? The other person's looking at you like, what are you doing? And I wonder if the kids were like, you know, looking like, really? You're putting this guy's blood, his blood be upon our hands and the hands of our children. Wow. Be careful what you say. So they're saying, you're trying to bring this blood's man, uh, this man's blood on our hands. And Peter wasn't intimidated. He infuriates the religious leaders with his answers, his boldness from the Holy Spirit. He says, we ought to obey God rather than man. We must do so. This is godly defiance. This is, this is where when there are authorities over us telling us to not share our faith, to be quiet, to stop preaching the gospel. You know, I, I recently, um, I know I've brought up his name before, but John Cooper, he's the lead singer for uh, the band Skillet. He, was, uh, he did an interview, and, and uh, in the interview he was sharing that uh, as they were continuing to grow, and he's like, man, we're in this, this – uh, event that was happening and he's like there are movie stars everywhere and there are massive bands everywhere and he said this guy that thought he was doing us a favor didn't realize 
what he was what he was saying was actually coming from our enemy. And what he's saying is, is like, you guys could be the biggest band in the world if you stop preaching Christ. If you stop associating yourself with Christian associations, if you stop saying his name in your in your lyrics and in, in your message, if you stop, he's like, I'm not telling you to stop being a Christian. You can be a Christian, but just disassociate yourself from Christ as a band. And John like took the night and he's praying about it. And he, he and God revealed to him, I did not tell you that. You know, and 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 if you haven't seen anything, he's even more. But this was this was 12 years ago. This is 2011. That that um, temptation that came and it seems so sincere of, hey, if you just disassociate yourself from Christ, you can still be a band. You can still be Christians. But if you're not known and, and just don't do Christian radio stuff, don't do all those things. He's like, wait a minute. You know, it's a totally different uh, circumstance of what we're dealing here. But you see the attack on the name of Christ. And they just said, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Unfortunately, there have been many bands that have done it. And they've done it so that they can. And, and, and it's crazy because listen to how our enemy works. They're like, well, then God might be able to use you to minister to people more. You know, in an underlying way. Isn't that, isn't that scary? That's frightening. Guys, we have to be on our game. We have to understand where our commission came from. The Great Commission came from Christ himself. If we're being told, hey, you can't preach in Jesus' name anymore, okay, now we're at a point. Do I obey God or do I obey man? The answer's right here. You know, there's no longer, Peter's no longer allowing them to judge. He's saying, nope, this is what we're going to do. And he tells them that the God of their fathers raised Jesus, whom they crucified up. You know, he said, tells them, you nailed him to a tree. God raised him up, as, and, and as Christ said he would. You know, Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will, rise it up, I will raise it up. Now Jesus, he's telling them, is at the right hand of God as prince and savior and exalted to that, that place of majesty on high. And it says to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. You know, they had rejected their savior and uh, the one that they had been waiting for. And Peter goes on to say, we are his witnesses. So is the Holy Spirit. Again, Acts 1.8, the foundation of, of everything that we see uh, in uh, in the book of Acts is because Jesus said that that they would be given power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. And he says the Holy Spirit given to those who obey him. And Luke, uh, the, the second half of Luke 28 says, blessed are those, Jesus is saying, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Implying that the Holy Spirit's presence is conditional. You have to be walking with the Lord. You have to have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior to have the Holy Spirit in your life. So that didn't really make friends. And they got uh, mad and they wanted to kill him. No shock. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 8 that the religious leaders were sons of the devil. And he was a murderer from the beginning. So if they're sons of the devil, then they're just like him. They have the murder in their heart. Verse 34 then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men, 
For some time ago, Thutis uh, rose up uh, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew many uh, people away from him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For uh, if this plan is uh, is uh, plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. So in the midst of what's happening, these guys want to kill. I'm going to kill. You know, they're ready to go. These guys are ready to take out the apostles that are defying them right to their faces. Preaching, a, I mean, that's a hard gospel. You nailed him to a tree. God raised him up, and he's in now in a place uh, of, of authority in heaven. You know, you rejected your Savior. And those are fighting words for them, and they're ready to go. So Gamaliel, who is a rabbi, a leader of the Sanhedrin, uh, he is a Pharisee, and he's famous and well-respected as a teacher, and uh, held in high respect uh, by all the people. Now, that name may sound familiar in Acts 22, verse 3, uh, Paul writing, he says, Indeed, I am a Jew born of Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our, fa our, our father's law, and was zealous toward God as you are, you all are today. Paul, the apostle, Saul of Tarsus, uh, who was his name, he's ended up being known as the apostle Paul, uh, was actually trained by Gamaliel. So this, this man was a, uh, a well-known man and respected by all. Now, it's actually quite possible that Saul of Tarsus is there amongst them being a Pharisee. Because we see in chapter 7 uh, that, that Saul is actually, uh, actually uh, as we go through and, and um, we see what, what happens, that Saul is the one that's standing there handing, holding coats so they can kill Stephen, they can martyr, uh, give, bring him to the point of martyrdom. So uh, you know, Gamaliel's revered, and, and when he spoke, people listened. And instead of telling them to reflect on what had happened or seen, he encouraged them to be neutral. You know, there's a great danger in that. You know, they, they had the truth in front of them, and they were rejecting it. You know, instead of saying, hey, guys, what he's saying is right, he's telling them, hey, let's just remain neutral here. And there's a great uh, danger in that for us, you know, where we might just gloss over the truth. And uh, so he, he presents this in a way uh, that is very neutral. And, uh, you know, he said he brings up that they've seen men rise and fade away. And if it's of men, he says it'll come to nothing. And it's of God. You can't overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. Now, that was wise to try to fight against. Remember, remember Psalm, uh, Psalm 2, where it says, why does it, why do the nations rage and applaud a vain thing like they're going to defeat God? It's, it's hilarious to think that somebody could. That they would gather together and we're, we're all against God. You with us? You know, get your get your pickup. Let's go. You know, load it up. You know, it's it just to, to think of it is it's just foolishness. You know, we see God using Gamaliel in this instance, regardless of, of uh, you know, where he stands to sway the Sanhedrin uh, with this type of reasoning. 
verse 40. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles uh, to be beaten, uh, apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They hadn't learned. They've already commanded several times, right? Verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer in his name. I love verse 42. And daily in the temple, 41 and 42, and daily in the temple and in those houses, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Say what you want. Do what you want, guys. Like you've imprisoned us. You've greatly warned us. You've beat us. You've, you, you have commanded us. We're going to do our thing. We have been commanded by Christ. He's way above you, and we're going to obey him. That was their stance. I love that. You know, they, they get everybody in agreement, and they say, yeah, yeah, that's a good plan. Let's beat them up and send them away. And they, they tell them they can't speak anymore in the name of Christ. And what I love what 41 says, that they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Suffer shame. It, wasn't, it doesn't mention the physical suffering, right, of being beaten. They were suffered shame, that they were treated shamefully. You know, yes, they were beaten, and they were like, man, my elbow hurts. But, man, this is awesome, right, that they were treated shamefully, that they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. The religious leaders had fanned the flames of their faith rather than discouraging them. Now they're even more bold. Like, oh, all right, well, we've been through that. <laughs> let's, let's keep going. Let's, they, they knew what their call was and that they were faithful to it. They also were trained to prepare for this. Matthew 5, verses 10 uh, through 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for uh, for my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for they uh, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you no doubt god's reminding them just as they're leaving he's like hey remember remember when jesus told us this yeah yeah i remember that hey man, come here you got some blood dripping from your eye you know whatever it was you know and they were just like that was awesome that was their approach, guys. They literally just got beat up and threatened with their lives. And they're all hurting. And they were treated shamefully. What they wanted, the, the effect the religious leaders wanted were for them to tuck tail and walk away. Exact opposite happened. Oh, I love it. It says that they were daily in the temple and in every house. They did not cease from teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They didn't stop. I love this. It's a complete opposite of what they were told to do. They went in the temple. They were going in houses. And they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You know, they had, through the Holy Spirit, received power to become be, be witnesses. And as I said, Christ prepared them for this opposition. We'll end right here. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. That's John chapter 15, verse 20. John 16, verse 2, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think he offers God service. This is no surprise to Jesus. They were trained and they knew this was coming. So when these things came, they weren't shook to the core. They were actually rejoicing and they were moving forward encouraged in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, 
if you guys aren't encouraged, I don't know what's going to encourage us, right? You know, as we walk in our faith, what we're going to see mostly um, here in this nation, at least for now, is being shamed. I got to share a quote with with you that 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 Will sent to uh, a group of us this morning. I was very blessed by it. He said, "Bold-hearted men are always called mean-spirited by cowards." The Spurgeon quote says, "Bold-hearted men are always called mean-spirited by cowards." You know, should we be lopping people's ears off? No, but we need to be bold in our message and be willing to stand in our faith, to not be you know swayed one way or the other because of fire on this side trying to discourage us. The encouragement to us is to continue in our faith regardless of what we're facing. You know, God is is not away from us. You know, the, I, I, if you guys haven't heard, a lot of people like to call him, especially these days, Sky Daddy. Is how Sky Daddy, or the invisible person in the sky that you've made up. You know, that's a I, I've seen that several times. I have no idea what they're doing. They're just mockers. Let them mock. Let it roll right off you and continue serving the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we have these lessons in front of us, that we would be reminded of our need to stand boldly in your name. Lord, that we would be so compassionate to share with those who are hurting, as we saw that you were using Peter to minister to those that were broken and going through so much. We pray that you would use us. And, Lord, that we would stand firm in our faith. Lord, because your scriptures say that storms will come. It doesn't say if they come. It says when the storm comes. That we would be just founded upon the rock. And as we are founded in you, that you would use us mightily and strengthen us and help us to continue in you. Lord, the circumstances may not be outwardly like these guys did. We may have... Internal battles, spiritual battles, calling us to shut our mouths, to turn from Christ. If that's for any anybody here is witnessing that or going through that right now. I pray, Lord, that they would know and 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 move, leave here with the resolve in their heart that they know they are to follow Christ and obey Him. Our enemy does not want us following you. Help us to do so in boldness and love. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you.